0: Tonight, as we get rolling into God's Word, I thought that we would start with a fun activity. Uh, Luke helps me put these slides together, and he said um, I should give everyone a disclaimer that the things that you're about to see are somewhat disgusting and could be frightening. So I don't really think it's that bad, but I think you'll be all right. Uh, So here it is. I'm going to show you guys some images, and I want you to just kind of think And maybe even write down on your piece of paper so that you can look at somebody and be like, See, I told you I was right. Uh, I'm going to show you guys some pictures of stuff. And uh, I want you to see if you can tell me what it is. Okay, so here's the first picture. Oh, come on. Okay, so just go ahead and write it down on your sheet. Okay. Everybody's got that. All right, let's go to the second picture. Second picture, that was not bad, right? It's kind of pretty, okay, all right. all right, all right let's hit the third picture. Oh, I know that one, I know that one, okay, all right, good, good. Prepare yourself for this one. Okay, here we go, next one. And let's go to the last one. That one's easy. Give me a break. Okay, you guys ready? Here's the big reveal. Ty, can you go back to the very first one please? This is a fish tongue. How many of you guys got that right? Nice. Okay, all right. The second one, this is a fish scale. A Zoomed in under a microscope. Number three, this is a? Fish. You guys are like, come on, give me a break. All right. If anyone got this one, you are my personal hero. Next one. This is an air bladder, yes. This is a fish air bladder swim bladder. Did you get this, Daniel? Daniel knew, Daniel knew, good. <laughs> All right, you're, you're my hero, you are already my hero. So, you too, Rachel. Uh, okay, and then this last one, everybody got it? It's a fin, right? Now here's the thing. Had we originally started by showing the whole picture of a fish and then kind of highlighting each one of these, it would have made far more sense in context of the fish's body you would be able to grasp to some degree the importance of each of these different parts and how they function in helping a fish to do what a fish is supposed to do. But taken out of context of the body, these parts make little sense. It takes the fish's body to understand the function of a part, and it takes all the parts to make a fish function. Uh, Here's what John Bloom says. He says, so it is with Christ. Each of us is a part of the body of Christ and has a particular function. But it takes the body of Christ to understand the function of a part and it takes all the parts to make the body function. Uh, Brothers and sisters, we are the church. That's the series that we've been going through here over the past several weeks in fact this entire year all we've been looking at is we are the church what does it look like to be the church to be faithful and fruitful and effective brothers and sisters that are part of the family of god in this specific church family Uh, tonight we are going to look and zoom in on spiritual gifts or spirit empowered ministries and show how they're all about helping us to be faithful and fruitful members of a church family. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 1. This is like way towards the back of your Bible. If you have to use a table of contents, that's okay. 1 Peter 4, looking at what are spirit-empowered ministries, what does that even mean, and why should I care about them? Uh, 1 Peter 4, we're going to start in verse 1 and read through verse 11. Here it goes. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you, but they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way people are, they might live in the spirit the way God does. Verse 7. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Uh, This passage begins to help us understand what God's Word is talking about in the New Testament when it talks about gifts that have been given to followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, We're going to pick it up and really focus in on verses 8 through 11. So look at verse 8 because it starts by saying, Above all. Now above all in this particular context doesn't mean that what Peter is about to say is more important than everything else he said in chapters 1 through 3. What it means is that what he's about to say is significant and the most significant part of what he's about to say is going to come first. So the most significant thing about this whole discussion that Peter wants us to understand is found in verse 8. In light of the fact that the end of all things is near, in light of the fact that believers are living the rest of their time in the flesh for the will of God, what should they be doing? They should strive to maintain love. That they should earnestly pursue after love. That they should keep loving one another. This is what Peter wants us to grasp. This is the overarching idea and then he's going to begin to unpack that here in the next couple verses. So how do I eagerly maintain love amongst my brothers and sisters in Christ? How do I love them well is what he's talking about. He's saying that above all what is most significant in this particular passage is that there should be genuine and caring action that is poured out into one another's lives. This is the primary call, and the rest of it begins to unpack this idea. Now, before we get into unpacking this idea, why is it such a big deal that we love one another? Why is Peter so cranked up about this? Why is it so important to him that he gets it across that we as followers of Jesus that have gathered together in a local church should eagerly maintain love in our relationships with one another? Uh, John 13, 35, Jesus said this, Uh, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is a defining characteristic of Jesus' followers. They love one another. This is what declares to the world and gives clear representation that we love Jesus, the fact that we love one another. In John 17, this is Jesus praying right before in chapter 18 of John. He goes to the cross and he prays this. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one." I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Our unity, our oneness, our love for one another declares two things to the world. And think of how crazy this is with me for a second. By the fact that we love one another and by demonstration of our love for one another, it actually declares to the world that God the Father did in fact send Jesus the Son. Somehow God uses that as like a stamp of approval as proof to say, God really did send Jesus. Just by the fact of you and I loving one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then it goes on to say, and the world will know that I love them. Uh, In other words, the world will see very, very clearly that as we love one another, it gives clear picture, clear demonstration, clear proclamation that God the Father sent Jesus the Son because God loved the world and wanted to rescue the world and redeem the world in their sinfulness. Friends, this is why Peter is so keyed in on this idea. This is why this is such a big deal. If we don't love one another then it removes this declaration. The world is not able to hear in the same way in which they would be able to hear. The world's not able to see in the same way in which they would be able to see that God the Father sent God the Son and he did it because he loves them. So loving one another is a big, big deal. That's why Peter says, above all, let us love one another earnestly. So how then do we maintain love? How do we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, work at this maintenance of love in our relationships with one another? Uh, Look at the rest of verse 8. We'll begin to unpack it. We'll hit the first several parts quickly and then key in on the spiritual gifts part. It says in verse 8, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. The first way that we love one another is by forgiving one another. Love covers over a multitude of sins. I'm able to forgive my brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Number two, look at verse nine. It says, and show hospitality to one another without grumbling. We show hospitality to one another. As brothers and sisters in Christ, we invite each other into one another's lives. And even if there are brothers and sisters in Christ that we've never met before, but they tell us that they love Jesus, we invite them into our homes, we invite them into our lives, and we share our life with them. That's what it means to show hospitality to one another. They come into our lives. We enter into theirs. And then, verse 10, where we're going to camp out for most of our time. And if some of you are like, he hasn't done any of the notes yet. What's going on? It's okay. Breathe. We're going to get there. Uh, Verse 10, it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace we are keying in on this whole idea of serving one another by putting these gifts that we've received to good use within the household of god so the question that we're going to begin with tonight is what are spiritual gifts Uh, there are four passages in the new testament that specifically deal with spiritual gifts paul wrote three of them peter wrote one of them Uh, the three that paul wrote are ephesians chapter 4 Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12. And then the one that Peter wrote is in 1 Peter chapter 4. Nice, you guys are on it, okay? Uh, So what are spiritual gifts? As you look at all four of these passages, can we come up with like a definition, put it on the table? Because honestly, and I don't know about you how much you've heard about spiritual gifts, but they always seem kind of like mystical and not very clearly defined and kind of like what are these and what am I supposed to do with them? Uh, so here it is, spiritual gifts are spirit-empowered ministries that build up the church in its faith and maturity. That is what I believe the Bible means when you see this term, spiritual gifts. I believe this is the, the, the idea behind it. This is what it's talking about, that they are spirit-empowered ministries Spirit-empowered services that build up the church in its faith and maturity. Uh, So here's one thing that spiritual gifts are not. Spiritual gifts are not special abilities that are given to you all of the sudden when you come to Christ. That is not what spiritual gifts are. And I think so much of our thinking has kind of been predisposed to this idea that like I come to Christ and then all of a sudden I have something that I never had before and that I'm able to kind of do. Uh, I don't think that's what the New Testament is teaching us about spiritual gifts. Uh, Paul's central concern in Ephesians 4, Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, the spiritual gifts passages is that every believer fulfills his or her role in building up the community of faith. That's what all of his motivation is. That's what all of his teaching is leading towards, that brothers and sisters, believers, would fulfill his or her role in building up the community of faith. That's what Paul cares about. Uh, In 1 Corinthians, the Corinthians care about special abilities. And Paul's saying, no, 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 it's not about that. It's about this instead. So, uh, What should we know? What should we understand? How should we think about these spirit-empowered ministries? Uh, First thing, we're going to take all of these out of 1 Peter chapter 4. So look at it again. Look at verse 10. It says, as each has received a gift. Uh, Each person that is in Christ has received a particular ministry. A million things happen when we turn from our sins and trust in Jesus. One is that the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, and then he empowers us for Christian service. Uh, He works in us and through us so that we might be able to serve our brothers and sisters in Christ so that they might be built up spiritually. Every single follower of Jesus has an indispensable gift within the body of Christ, an indispensable ministry. And you may look at your life and you may say, I really have nothing to offer. I really bring nothing to the table. And I see other people and I see how God's using them. And really, how could God even use me? I don't really have anything to offer. 1 Peter four ten says, I love you, you're wrong. It says, as each has received a gift and therefore all have received at least one gift. And the teaching in scripture over and over and over again about these spiritual gifts or spirit empowered ministries is that every single one of them is a necessary and an essential component to building up the community of faith. So each has received a ministry. Second, the spirit empowers ministries to serve the church. Uh, The gifts that you have, the ministries that the spirit empowers in your life, they are not for you. They are not so that you can build yourself up. They're not so that people can look at you and say, ooh, la, la. They're not so that you can position yourself to do something that you want to do. No, all of them are for serving one another. This is part of, remember, the heading over this whole subject is maintaining love eagerly amongst one another, to keep on loving one another. We do that by exercising these spirit-empowered ministries. Uh, this is one of the truths that makes it very, very clear that following Jesus is not an individualistic pursuit. Pursuing Jesus cannot be an individual sport. It has to be a team sport because God has given us these ministries that he empowers so that we might serve one another. So it's not come to Jesus, grab your Bible and find some dark, quiet corner. Instead, it's no, 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 no. I've come to Christ and now... I've also come to God's people in Christ. This is why we need the church, why we need one another to serve one another with our gifts so that our faith might be built up, so that we might mature in Christ. Uh, If God gives you gifts by the power of the Spirit dwelling in you, then he expects you to use these gifts or to exercise these ministries to encourage and to equip His people. Uh, Your life then as a follower of Christ is all about being a conduit of grace. It's like God is the source of grace and the destination for His grace is in the souls of others, especially brothers and sisters in Christ as we're talking And your life acts as the conductor between God the source and the destination of your brothers and sisters' souls. And he uses you as a channel of his grace so that his grace might pour forth from him and into the lives of others. Uh, As he uses us to give grace to others, he satisfies our souls. Truly, it is more blessed to give than to receive. We delight in serving even more than we delight in being served. And as that's happening, God is being glorified, but at the very same time that he is using you to pour out grace into somebody else's life, he's also using other believers to pour grace into your life, all of it, so that the body of Christ might be built up and might attain to the full level of maturity in Christ. Uh, That's what God is doing in the church He's helping us to build one another up, to encourage one another, to come alongside one another so that we might look more and more and more like Jesus, so that our souls might be more and more and more satisfied in Jesus, so that God might be more and more and more glorified in our lives. Uh, The Spirit empowers ministries to serve the church. God has given you these gifts. He empowers these ministries, this responsibility that you have, so that you might put it to good use in the service of the saints. So whatever ministry that the Holy Spirit of God empowers and works through you in, it's the expectation that you will use that ministry, that you will exercise that ministry, that you will serve in that capacity so that you might love and care for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Next, uh, engaging in ministry is a stewardship issue. Look at verse 10 again, as each has received a gift, so everyone has received a gift. It says, use it to serve one another, so it's for the sake of serving one another. And then it continues on by saying, as good stewards. Uh, Last week, we talked about giving and generosity, especially when it comes to our time, when it comes to our money, when it comes to our energy. That as Christians, we saw last week that we should be begging for the opportunity to give that we should be begging for the opportunity to give to others what might be a blessing to them. We talked about the fact that God owns everything and he needs nothing and that all that we have has been given to us by God. And if God has given all of it to us, then he's given it to us so that we might use it for his name's sake. But we also understand as stewards, we are stewards of everything that God has given us, but possessors of nothing. Stewards of everything that God has entrusted to us, possessors of nothing. I don't own anything. I take care of all that I have for God. God's given it to me. He's left it in my responsibility, and my care, so that I might use it to serve him and to serve others. So therefore, because God has given it to me, I'm accountable to him for how I take care of it. I'm accountable for what I do with what God has entrusted into my care. Spiritual gifts, ministries that are empowered by the Spirit are no different. Verse 10 says it were to be good stewards of God's varied grace. That we have been given God's grace and we are now to become channels by which God disperses his grace into the lives of others. Look at how it says it there. It says to be good stewards of God's varied grace. This whole idea of varied grace, uh, there are different ministries. There's not just one ministry. There are varied ministries, all kinds of different ministries, not just one gift, nor does, nor does one person have all the gifts. Now think about it. If we all had the same gift, then we would be missing out on the full benefit that comes when all of the gifts are put to good use within the body and no one person has all gifts so that they can be an island to themselves and depend on no one no god has so designed the body that each part of the body needs the rest of the parts of the body to function correctly Uh, we are to be dependent on our brothers and sisters who have the other gifts to ensure that the whole body gets to experience the delight and blessing of all the gifts that god has given Now, the fact that there are different gifts typically brings up three different ideas, three different reactions. Uh, The first one is this. I need to figure out my gifts. I need to figure out which ministries, when I do them, the Holy Spirit empowers, right? Uh, Nowhere in the scriptures are we ever commanded to figure out what our spiritual gifts are nowhere in the scriptures are we ever told to seek out which ministries that we do that the holy spirit empowers and there's no narrative example of any individual in scripture pursuing after such knowledge i think for us so often we want to clarify things we want to define things we want to put them in a box we want to know what tools we have in our toolbox so we know what we have to offer And so we go about trying to figure all of these things out, all the while missing opportunities to jump in and serve where there's need, all the while missing opportunity to love our brothers and sisters. I think over time in the Christian life, we begin to learn the areas of ministry that the Holy Spirit empowers. Uh, It's not figure out your gifts and then start serving. Instead, it's serve your church family faithfully, serve where needed, love others well and as you do that you're going to be doing it around brothers and sisters who say hey you know what Um, that I really think that when you encourage the Holy Spirit of God really does something with that because when you say things to me and encourage me like God does a tremendous work in that Uh, or I can look at Katie and I can say Katie when you're merciful And when you look at other people with compassion and you do so with a desire to get involved in that, like I think the Lord really works in that. And over time, God will begin to help brothers and sisters in Christ see the ministries that he empowers that brings about supernatural change in other people's lives. Don't you go out on your own and try and figure out which ministries the Holy Spirit of God works in. Uh, Do it, serve in the midst of brothers and sisters and then let them tell you how God is at work in your life. Uh, As you're serving, they can observe and speak into it. First reaction, I need to figure out my gifts. Secondly, uh, I don't want these gifts. I want those gifts, right? Uh, I don't want those. Those don't sound fun. Those aren't exciting. Instead, I'd rather want those. I don't want to do these ministries. I want to do those ministries. Uh, Some gifts in our culture are more prized and valued than others, It's just the reality people give greater respect or appreciation for one set of gifts rather than another set of gifts. And while there are comparisons made between gifts, for instance, like when Paul says that prophecy is better than speaking in tongues because people can actually understand what you're talking about in prophecy and the church is built up from that, it never in scripture says that any gift or any ministry lacks value. In fact, it says the opposite that every ministry is indispensable and completely valuable, and you don't experience the full benefit of God's grace in the church unless all of the parts are functioning the way that they should. Uh, When you think about the body of Christ, uh, God's word tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that God actually bestows the greater honor on some of the parts that are weaker. Uh, So as you think about the body of Christ and you're like, man, what part of the body would I want to be? How many of you guys were like, sign me up for the big toe? Like, I want to be the big toe in the body of Christ. Um, Some of you guys are creeps, okay? Um, Nobody really thinks that way. No, no, no. Instead, we're like, no, I want to be the mouth, right? Like, I've got something to say that people need to hear. I want to be the mouth in the body of God, right? Right? Other people are like, no, I want to be the hand. I want to be the one who does and who gets in there and just I'm involved and it's hands on and I can do it. Or I want to be the feet. I want to be the one who goes and I just want to be the one who's always present or, or I want to be the bicep. I want to be the muscle that comes in. Like everyone's like, yeah, that guy's so awesome. Um, nobody's cranked up about being the big toe in the body of Christ and yet without our big toe, there's no balance, right? Like you just fall. We need big toes in the body of Christ, We need people that can kind of level out the crazies in the church and bring some balance and some like rational thought and logic to things. Uh, All parts are indispensable. Uh, Think about the thumb. It's just this little guy right here, right? Uh, Try tonight, not until you get your frozen yogurt and sit down with it at some place stable, but try to eat it tonight without your thumb. Some of you can maybe try and go through the line and do things there without your thumb. Or later this week, if you're not brave enough to try it there, try to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without your thumb. It's really, really difficult, I promise. Some of you guys are like thinking in your head right now. You're like, how do I? Uh, Wiley's done it, okay? So you can talk to him about it. He's got experience to share. Uh, Listen to me, friends. All of the parts in the body are indispensable. We shouldn't be, I don't want these gifts, I don't want the Lord to empower these ministries, I want those. No, 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 no. We should rejoice that each of us has been given a ministry that the Holy Spirit of God works and uses to bring about supernatural change and to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ in their faith and in their love for the Lord. Uh, All the parts, even the seemingly unimportant ones, have great importance. Finally, uh, last reaction. I don't do anything that's outside of my arena of gifting. Uh, These are the ministries that the Holy Spirit empowers, and I don't have time to get involved in those ministries over there. Uh, Plus, I wouldn't be very good at it anyway, and God would be, you know, using somebody else that'd be more effective, that's more gifted in that area, that the Spirit usually empowers, so I just, I can't. I see a need, there's nobody else available, but it's just not my gift set. Sorry, I can't help you. No, 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 no. Remember, all of this, is about keeping love, eagerly maintaining love amongst ourselves. That when there's a need within the body of Christ, and I see that need, and I look around and there's nobody else that can fill that need, I'm the first one to jump on it. And I stay there for as long as the Lord needs me to be there, or until somebody else that is more gifted that the Spirit uses in a greater way in that area comes in and replaces me. But in the family of God, in the body of Christ, in a church family, we're jumping in and serving. Where God needs us to. Uh, so, Peter then, in chapter 4, takes these varied graces, these spirit empowered ministries, and then he kind of breaks them into two different categories. Look at verse 11. He says, Whoever speaks, they should speak as one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves, should serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies what Peter does here in this passage is he breaks out these spirit empowered ministries into two different categories. The first one is word oriented ministries. The second one is deed oriented ministries. Uh, if you want, you can look later at Romans 12, at 1 Corinthians 12 and at Ephesians chapter four. And there's more of a list of the different ministries that are empowered by the spirit. And they can really be broken out into these two different categories, either speaking gifts or serving gifts, word gifts, or deed gifts, so word-oriented ones like teaching, prophecy, encouragement, evangelism. uh, When you speak, when you're exercising those ministries, you are to do so as if it were a word coming from the Lord. This means ministering the word of God to others, knowing the word and being able to apply it into the situations that your brothers and sisters are experiencing. Uh, this may also mean taking scriptural principles and formulating ideas and thoughts and then speaking to others in such a way that these thoughts and ideas are prompted and guided by God's wisdom so that all of the attention is directed to him, not to us. When it comes to deed-oriented gifts, he says we're to serve in the strength that God supplies. Uh, some of these ministries are serving and mercy and giving and healing and administration and leadership. They are practical deeds of service. It says we do these not in our own strength, but in the very strength that God Almighty provides. Uh, if we serve with word-oriented gifts, we use the words that God supplies. If we serve with deed-oriented gifts, we do it with the strength that God supplies. Because if we try to use our own words, or we try to do it in our own strength, or in our own wisdom, These ministries are no longer spiritually empowered. It's no longer spiritual service. It's something that anyone can do in the world. So why is it so important that when we exercise these ministries of word-oriented or deed-oriented service, that it's done according to God's word, God's wisdom, and God's strength because of how Peter ends? He says, in order that in everything, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ the end goal of engaging in these ministries is to glorify God. When the church puts all of these different ministries to good use by the strength of God working in us and through us, God alone receives the glory. And all of the grace and the goodness that we receive in the Christian life, it originates in God, it flows from God and through his people so that God alone might receive the glory. Look at the way he ends this section. He says to him to God belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's what this whole series has been about, and that is what spiritually empowered ministries are all about. It is about us being the church being filled with the Holy Spirit of God and loving and serving one another for the glory of God. And that as we do that, as we are faithful and effective members in this church family, the onlooking world knows that we are Jesus' disciples. The onlooking world knows that God the Father loved them so much that he sent God the Son into the world to rescue us and to redeem us from their sin so that in the end, God receives glory, his people are satisfied, and more people are invited into the joy of knowing God for all eternity. Brothers and sisters, the Bride of Christ, the church, is a stunningly beautiful marvel. And it is so marvelous and so supernatural that when it is healthy and being built up as it should, it is the greatest beacon of light that shines the light of the gospel into this very, very dark world that is desperately in need of the good news of Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that we would be a people and a church that is all about making much of you. And oh God, we know that we do that as we extend love and service and care to one another. And so Father, I pray that you would help us to be faithful in doing that. God, would our whole lives be built on the Holy Spirit of God working in us and through us? And would our lives be all about loving one another in the church and then allowing our love in the church to overflow into the world so that more and more people might come to know you and glorify you because, God, you are so worthy. Use my brothers and sisters in this room. Empower the ministries that they are serving in and use it all to build up your church.